is part five of our series. And we're going to get, we, we finally finished, four, four lessons, we finally finished um, part, our, our verse one, verse one. And uh, so today is kind of, uh, we're going to go over verse two, we're going to try to finish verse two, and we shouldn't, we're not going to revert back to Jude as we did so much uh, in verse one, uh, just because of what verse two is teaching. Now we can, we continue to, uh, as we move forward into the study, we'll go back to the book of Jude, back and forth, and especially as we get into verses four, uh, five, six, and uh, uh, seven, and, uh, and, and look into those areas of where, how the Lord continues to compare uh, the judgment that's going to be, that's going to come amongst false teachers, uh, as you see in the old world, things that he's already done. And again, just to reiterate what we touched on last week, when you look at what false teachers are and what they're doing to people, what they're doing to our world, what they're doing to our church, uh, guys, the Lord holds them up to a great judgment. There's a great standard that God has for his Bible. And we want to, in our minds, say, well, let's just go along to get along. And that, my friend, is a strong and mighty and terrible error. And by the end of today's lesson, you'll see exactly why I say that. You can't go along to get along. I'm not saying you need to be mean or arrogant or anything like that. But stand on biblical truth and not say, well, you know, you got your opinion. I got. I, I have my opinion, but my opinion doesn't matter. What matters is the, the truth of this Holy Scripture. And so when my opinion goes against the truth of the Holy Scripture, guess who's wrong? Me, 100% of the times, every time, whether I like it or not. I can't rewrite the Bible because it's God's Word, okay? It's not His thoughts, it's God's words. Men are doing that today. They're rewriting the Bible. They're trying to make the Bible fit their life and their perversion and perverted ways. And uh, it's why you have uh, so-called vicars today uh, going down to the local pubs and having a pint with people in the town to try to be relative. Uh, well, you know, the Bible didn't tell us to be relative. The Bible told us to be a light in a dark place. It, to- it told us to shine the lightness of God's precious word into a dark area. We, we're told to be a witness, to, to plant seeds, to water seeds, so that God may bring the increase. That's our commandment not to go out and try to be just like uh, those that are contrary to the Word of God. So, saying all that and bringing this point together today, the very same damnation, the very same judgment that God upheld with the angels who left their first estate. Mind you guys, let's just stop for just a second. Again, I'm not trying to rehash last week's message, but I do want to, I do, just as we segue into verse 2 today, think about this for just a, a, a second. In Genesis, in Genesis chapter 6, 1996 years after creation, Genesis chapter 6 is a pinnacle moment in the events of human history. Imagine, and just think with me what you have. You have nearly 2,000 years of population on this earth, okay? You have 2,000 years of mankind advancing, and, and many believe that, the, that the, the society of Genesis 6 was more advanced than our society today, Okay? And I believe that because of the supernatural beings that were upon this earth known as Nephilims or the, the giants and that are renowned uh, in the scripture, this, this, uh, this, uh, this half-breed supernatural and human uh, being that was created from the angels that, that had left their first estate. So when you look at Genesis chapter 6, the sons of God, which again, I'm not even going to cover the, the idiocy of thinking they're the sons of Seth. That, that's just, to me, that is, that is so far, that's so foreign for someone to even equate uh, the sons of Seth being humans producing giants. It's ridiculous, guys. It doesn't even make a lick of sense. And somebody who believes that, I, I, honestly, they, they, they're just not studying their Bible. How can you have the sons of God of Genesis 6 
being uh, not being angels, and yet uh, the sons of God of Job chapter 1, Job chapter 2, Job chapter 38, all of a sudden they're angels. You can't, guys, you can't. Law of first mission equates all of that to exactly what they are. So let's leave that one where it goes in the rubbish bin. So how do you have an area, you have the angels that left their first estates, who we know, according to the book of Jude now, are locked away in the, under the river Euphrates, awaiting that day of judgment, that hour in time, that they'll be set loose, Revelation chapter 11, to go forward and do uh, their job for an hour, and then cast into judgment. How do you have these creatures, these heavenly creatures that God created to worship and glorify Him and His creation, and all of that, yeah, you, that's what you have. They leave their first estate, they take the daughters of men, human beings, as wives, they procreate with them they produce these massive giants these supernatural creatures these men of renown known as nephilim in this world today that's an atrocity guys that is a that is a sin that is i mean that is a transgression i mean the angels they they knew better you understand and yet they did it anyway god equates their judgment you know if god spared not the angels that sin god equates their judgment to the judgment of false prophets in the Old Testament, false teachers in the New. Think about that for just a second. Let that sit in with you today when we want to say, well, let's just go along to get along. Again, I'm not saying be arrogant. I'm not saying be mean. But there is a difference between someone who is just simply ignorant of the Word of God and someone who is an apostate. An apostate is past that line. They are Bible perverters. They have heard the Word of God at one time. They have rejected the Word of God. They have mocked out and ridiculed the Word of God, and what they seek to do now is drive the replacement of the Word of God. And they do, do so through pseudo-churches, 39 articles of faith, Catholic institution, things that like that. And guys, again, like I mentioned last week, I'm not touching on uh, false beliefs such as Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism. And all. That, I'm not, we're not talking about that. That's not pseudo-Christianity. Those are false religions, Okay. Those are religions of the world. Those are the, the very same types of religions that Jesus Christ referred to in Matthew 16 when he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, speaking of his church. That gates of hell was a, was a monument, a place, a pantheon, where uh, the, the Romans and prior to them, the Greeks, uh, worshipped their pagan gods in that mountain, in that Ephesus of that mountain where they, these gods were hewn into the walls and the stones. They worshipped them there. They worshipped the, the entrance level that they considered to be through the underworld, this cavern where sulfuric smoke uh, used to ascend out of. That's, what play, that's the world's religion. We're talking about those who were the world's religion and tried to incorporate the names of Christianity in within their pagan religion, when, such as when pagan Rome converted to papal Rome. They're still paganistic. All they did was change the name to their pagan gods to so-called saints, okay? Uh, all they did was change their, uh, you know, you take your, uh, your, your Greek god, the, the goddess of Diana, and then you got the goddess of Athena and all of these. They just changed it to Mary, do you understand? That, that's all they did. And I know, I know that you'll, you'll see people will, will not like to hear that, but that's biblical fact and biblical truth. That is the history of mankind. Because Catholic institution doesn't show up until the 4th century under Constantine, you understand? I mean, we understand Jesus Christ died on the cross, eighty thirty. all right? So he dies on the cross, eighty twenty nine. He dies on the cross. Christianity is set. He begins to build his church. Church is four hundred. The church is nearly four hundred years strong. Three hundred years strong. Sorry. Okay. By the time the Catholic institution is formed, because they couldn't beat the Christians. Every time they kill one, hundred pop up. So then they say, "Well, let's masquerade." That's the apostates. 
Church of England is nothing more. It's just a, uh, you, and we'll touch on that. It's the same thing. So that's what we're referring to, false teachers, those who have heard the word, rejected it, ridiculed it, and now seeking to replace it. So we need to understand that there has to be a line drawn in the sand. There has to be a time in our life as Christians where we say, you know what? Biblical truth and biblical fact, I'm going to stand on. I am going to separate. I am not going to go along to get along. This is the truth. And because if we don't take that stand, who's going to stand for the lost souls who need salvation? Who's going to stand for those who are in the valley of decisions, in the valley of destructions, who are, who are going to stand for them and say, look, this is the true light. Not that baptism you had as an eight-day-old baby. Okay? That's the importance to understand why we're teaching the apostates among us. Second Peter chapter 2, in your Bibles, if you'll open them there, please. Look with me in verse 2. And the Bible says, and, and many shall follow there. Now, remember, I told you that throughout this chapter, the, the false teachers are referred to as there, they, these, and them. Okay? He says, many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So we come back again to what we had mentioned. Dr. Adrian Rogers had given a great definition of what and who an apostate is. Someone who has received the truth, meaning they heard it, they rejected it, and then they ridicule it. And then all of a sudden, what do they do? They replace it. And it's because of these apostates that the way of truth will be evil spoken of. And we'll see that pattern here as we continue on. So in verse 2, we find this statement, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. Pernicious, guys, from the Greek word apoleo, apoleo, which is defined as destroying. It's defined as utter destruction. It's defined as perishing, ruin, destruction of money it's utilized. But here's the, here's the key definition. The destruction which consists of eternal misery in hell. That's the key definition. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. You could say this, many shall follow them into an eternal misery in a devil's hell. That's why we teach this lesson. That's why we stand in the gap. That's why we stand and we do the right thing. Why? Because of the many that are going to follow these false teachers. False teachers will always have a following. Sometimes, guys, and to be honest with you, more than more, uh, most times, they'll have more of a following than those who are preaching and teaching the truth. Why? Why do you suppose today that uh, false teachers... Convenient, easy Christianity, tick-bock Christianity. You know, I went to church. I heard a nine-minute sermon today. We sang, you know, 15 minutes of, of hymns that sound like it's built out of a funeral system. You know, we did that. Oh, we had such a glorious time in church. It was so reverential. Everything was cladded with gold, and the, the priest was up there in his robe. And he, we did, you know, we took communion today. We do it every single Sunday. We'd, you know, and it's a tick-box. We drank the juice. We ate the bread. We, you know, and, you know, all of these different things. And it's a tick box, tick box. It strokes people's ego. It allows them to say, I've done something for the Lord. You're welcome, Lord. Thank you. Let me move on. So why do you think people want to follow that? Well, it eases their conscience, all right? It eases their conscience. John chapter 3 in verse 19 says, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. This is nothing new, guys. The light came into the world. The Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. Who, who were the biggest and who were the greatest enemies of Jesus Christ when he was on this earth? Can you tell me? The religious. 
The down and outs, they follow Jesus Christ. The soldiers, the Romans, the Roman, matter of fact, the Roman institution didn't care about what Jesus did. It meant nothing to them. They didn't care. You had Roman centurions that fell in love with Jesus Christ and got saved and born again. Right? But it was the religiousites. It was the, the Pharisees. It was the, those who were, had created their own tradition within the Judaistic realm of religion. Those who had rejected the suffering Messiah mentioned in Isaiah 53 because they only thought about the living and reigning Messiah from Isaiah chapter 9, of the Messiah son of David. But they, they forsook the Messiah son of Joseph. They didn't see them as being one and the same, but rather two. So why? Because their deeds were evil. They created their own religion. Their deeds were evil. That's why they love darkness rather than light. That's why false teachers will have a greater following than those who are preaching and teaching the truth. Romans chapter 1 speaks of our era, our day, our time that we live in right here, right now. Romans 1 verses 21 through 24 says, Because that when they knew God, remember they heard, they heard this is God. When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination. That word imagination, create images on your own mind. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like the corruptible man. To corruptible man. And to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and to creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up an uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies between themselves. We'll go back to verse 23. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. That's man worship. False teachers. Let me ask you this. Do we have man worship today in pseudo-Christianity? Uh-huh. How many people will bow and kiss the ring of that pope? I wouldn't bow and kiss anything. I wouldn't walk across the street to meet him. But they'll bow down to a man. You know what you find in here? Outside of one instance in the, all throughout the Bible, when a man was bowed down to, that man said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm talking about a Christian man, a godly man. When Paul, remember when, when Paul and, and Barnabas showed up, they were going to gonna worship them. I think it was in Lystra over there. And they called one Mercurius and, 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 and one Jupiter. You know, hey, you know, hey they, they've come down from the gods, and they were getting ready to do a sacrifice. They were bowing down to Paul said, whoa, no, not me, man. Matter of fact, even when John fell down in the Revelation, when he was in the Spirit, he fell down to bow before the angel. The angel said, no, get up. Hey, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a servant with you, man. Don't you bow to me. And you mean to tell me this man in this dress over here has the audacity to let millions, two point something billion people signed on to the Catholic role to allow millions to bow down to him, kiss his ring? Who does he think he is? You need vicars over here allows people to bow? I don't think they do. I haven't seen it nor, nor anything like that. But if they do, hey, who do they think they are? Uh, any kind of bishop, any of these guys, listen. They've created an image like unto corruptible man and to replace God. And they've gone steps further in the worship of animals, birds, and four-footed beasts, creeping things. And we look at that and say, well, that's pantheism. That's uh, worshiping of the earth. That's, uh, you know, the, uh, as we see in the Native American Indians and all these other things. And we know the, the Hindus, they worship and say, well, how does that equate to, to Christianity? It equates to where we are today because we have, we have so-called churches, and I call them pseudo-churches today, who have jumped on the bandwagon of communistic environmentalism, all right? I'm not for destroying the planet. We, we can't destroy the planet, by the way. We're not that strong. We think we can control that. It's in God's hand. Now, he may 
He may allow things to happen to us because of our ill choices, sure. But we're not that strong. We're not that powerful. But this environmentalism, guys, is something that comes all the way back to Darwinism and from there to Marxism and, and through Lenin and all this. That, that's, where, that's where it comes. That's where it comes from. And we've created images today. Why? Because when we, they knew God, they glorified him not as God. It became vain in their own imagination. They profess themselves to be wise. They think they're uh, that of, a, uh, of, of uh, intelligent people and educated people, but they're, they're really educated beyond their own use, if you will. Paul says another reason we find why uh, people will follow uh, false teachers that many shall follow. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I do believe there are many men today that have just been deceived beyond a shadow of a doubt and therefore go forward deceiving others. And it's sad. The next statement we see there in our, in our, in our verse, verse 2, is I want you to look right here. It says, uh, um, it says uh, and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom? Of whom? These are the false teachers. The of whom? The false teachers. What does it say of whom? The way of truth shall be evil spoken of. John 14, 6. Very famous verse. You know what Jesus Christ says here. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, Jesus Christ is the way. Therefore, these false teachers uh, shall be denied to enter in, uh, to come unto the Father when they don't acknowledge the way. Not a way, not part of a way, not access to another way, but the way. And that's, there is no substitute, guys. And there is no, uh, there is no extra, there is no, I mean, there's not an, another opportunity. You can't say, well, Jesus Christ is the way, but you got to do this, this, this. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that at all. Those uh, who deny Jesus Christ as the one and only way, through, by grace, through faith, are going to find they'll be denied. Institutions such as we know the Church of England, the Anglican Institution, the Catholic Institution, uh, they claim baptism, baptismal regeneration. They claim uh, Calvinism, majority of it are Calvinism. Uh, Mariology, we find in the Catholic institution, uh, they claim that she's a co-redemptress today. These are false teachers. We need to understand that. False teachers. I'll go as far as to say that if you believe today that the evidence of your salvation is through so-called uh, tongues and laying on of hands and all that, that's a false teaching. That's a false doctrine, do you understand? It's a false doctrine. They've forsaken the fundamentals of the faith. They refuse biblical use of the name of Jesus. Uh, they may say God. They may say uh, Jesus Christ. But in their theology, in their doctrine, they hold to a way of works, of worshiping someone else. Mary, a priest, a pope, a bishop, whatever it may be. In their doctrine and theology. We have to keep in mind, guys, just because the name of Jesus is being used, God is being used, Bible is being used, Holy Ghost is being used, just because they're using that nomenclature does not necessarily mean the foundation of their doctrinal teaching, their theology unto salvation really and truly is based upon biblical precepts. We need to understand that today. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. Guys, they will run from giving Jesus Christ full authority. The marks of an apostate are those who will run away from giving Jesus Christ full authority. Now, because of their vile ways, there's a domino effect, and this is where we're going to kind of hunker down a little bit today, not for very long, but there's a domino. Because false teachers are, 
guys, false teachers are not only exposed by Bible believers, okay? It's not just us with the Bible. I'm, we're, we look at false teachers through the lens of Holy Scripture, and they are exposed, they are revealed for who and what they are, the liars they are. We see that and we understand that. It's easy for us to know those things. True Christianity. But they're also exposed by the world. This is the snowball or the domino effect that I'm speaking of right now. The world, the lost, see through the nonsense of the idolatry mindset, the order, the loose living. Like I mentioned a moment ago, Vickers going down and having, you know, a pint, two or three pints. I've seen chaplains over there, sports chaplains with their little dog collars on, going into restaurants and having three and four pints at a, at a chaplaincy meeting. I've seen that stuff. That's insane. First off, a Christian in general should not touch alcohol, all right? Should, never, should not touch alcohol. It is a sin. It is damaging. It has destroyed everything that it touches, much less someone who represents so-called the church. And the world sees through this. The, the, you know, the lies from the pulpit, the hierarchy, all of this, the big pompous acts and attitude and, and order of living, the world sees through this. The false teaching, the inability to support their major doctrines through Holy Scripture, infant baptism. You'll never find. I know I'm. I know I'm banging that drum, but it's it's just guys. Look, we need to understand. If if your organization teaches and holds to infant baptism, you are so far off the mark. You shouldn't even call yourself a Christian. It's nowhere in the Scripture. Not one time is it ever found. Baptismal regeneration, nowhere in the scripture. You have to redefine the word for in order to, to teach baptismal regeneration. Furthermore, you have to completely remove a Bible verse, Acts chapter 8, verse 37, to teach baptismal regeneration. Doesn't work, doesn't fit. As the minister in the, the, in the Christine will say, sanctify this water to the mystical washing away of sin. There's nothing mystic about, mystic about the Bible. Mysticism, guys, is devilish. It's rooted and grounded in satanic worship. Remember the allegiance that must be pledged during the Christian? And dost thou believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church? Ain't nothing holy about it. Uh, the communion of saints, the remission of sins, the resurrection of the flesh, the everlasting life, death. And what do you have to say? All this I steadfastly believe. Dip, dip, squirt, squirt, right? You see... You know what they do? They squeeze in between Holy Ghost and communion of saints. See how they squeeze that Holy Catholic Church in. And this is the Church of England. This is not even the Catholic Church. This is, they squeeze it in there for that person, the recipient, to pledge their allegiance to the Holy Catholic Church. They squeeze it right in the middle. Why do they do that? Well, they're hoodwinking you. And people are, 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 are foolish enough to believe it. They're not switched on enough with the Bible. Now, those who have been taught the truth and still partaken in, it, partaken in it, that's even worse, my friend. To do what? Make somebody else happy? When you try to please everyone, you please the devil the most. You understand that? So they squeeze it in there. Remember with the serpent, the Bible, you know, it's a subtle move that they have. It's a subtle move, and the world sees through this, guys. The world sees through it. Paul said this about this subtlety. He says in 2 Corinthians eleven three, 3, he says, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent begality through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 
to corrupt something, to pervert something, to ruin something, to destroy something from the simplicity that is in Christ. Jesus Christ doesn't have 39 articles of faith. Do you understand that today? Jesus Christ doesn't have a, a, a christening service with all these ridiculous allegiances that you got to place. Jesus Christ doesn't have you bowing down to a graven image, mind you. Jesus Christ doesn't teach of a, of a fantasy world called purgatory, relying on your family and friends to pay your way out of purgatory so you can go to heaven. If that's not the biggest, guys, if that's not the biggest snare, biggest trap, the biggest money thing, as the brother said yesterday in Bible study, that's blackmail. And people believe it, but the world doesn't. The world don't believe that. They look at that like it's, it's, it's idiotic, because it is. And therefore, because of that, the way of truth is evil spoken of. We stand on the truth. We stand on salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There it is. What must I do to be saved? If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest end thine home. Thou be saved. See, here is water. What doth hinder me be baptized? If thou believest with all thy heart, uh, thou mayest. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. They both went down to the water, and he baptized them there. There you go. Simplicity in Christ. Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not bowing down to Mary. Not having a christening of an infant where you make a proclamation of their faith, a child who doesn't have the first clue of what's going on. All of that is lies from the, I'm going to call it like it is, from the pit of hell. And you know who sees through it? The world sees through it. The people we're trying to win to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a damnable heresies that these apostates are teaching in their long, flowy little gowns. And they're sentencing not only that person there to a devil's hell, but to the world that looks at them and mocks them out because they are nothing but a joke. Nothing but a joke. What happens with the world and the way of, of truth being evil spoken of is that the world lumps us all together. True Christianity with pseudo-Christianity. The world sees no difference between the Catholic and the Baptist. The world sees no difference between the Baptist and the, and the Mormon. The world sees no difference between the Anglican and the Independent Baptist who preaches the truth. The world sees no difference between the false teacher and the man of God who's laboring week after week after week and preaching and banging on in the sermon trying to get it through people's thick skulls the truth of the Word of God. Satan has been successful, man. He's probably the most successful CEO in all the history of mankind. And the sad part about it is the further we get along in this world, the less he has to work. Essentially what he's done is he's inoculated our society from the truth by having false teachers present a gospel with a minor amount of truth mixed in with a majority of falsehood. This way the truth itself is evil spoken of. This way people lump anything using the name of Jesus or church or Bible, etc. All it all comes together on one umbrella through the world's views. One group, and they don't believe anything about it. These are what we refer to. This is what Peter's saying through the Holy Spirit of God as pernicious ways, destructive ways, utter destruction. Destruction which consists of, consist of eternal misery in hell. Now you see the verse behind me on the screen now, 2 Corinthians eleven three. 
the very next verse, obviously, is verse 4. Right after Paul mentions his fear of the church being corrupted from the simplicity in Christ, this is what he says next. He says, For if he, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Now, in our modern utilization of the word bear, almost sounds like Paul saying, hey, man, just kind of lean on him, just kind of hold to him, you know, and, and just hear him out, give him a little bit of an opportunity, da-da-da-da, you know, like I'll say, bear with me just a moment. Like, in, you know, hang, in, what that word means is endure. Endure with me just for a moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue on for five moments. Just bear with me, okay? I'll get to the point. We think that, but that's not what that word means. The word does mean endure, but it means endure in the same way that Jews said contend. Okay? It means, uh, guys, it's referring to hold to stand firm. It has the idea of standing erect or firmly. What are you standing erect or firmly on? The truth of the real gospel, the real Jesus Christ, and the real Holy Spirit of God. Somewhere along the line, Christians felt that it was godly or hyper-spiritual to roll over and be a doormat, and that is not scriptural. We, we, you know, somewhere along the line, people have allowed false teachers to come in and take it over, and guys, this is beyond sad. This is terrible. We, we talked yesterday, it was either yesterday or the day before, was, a, was the um, anniversary from 1555 where Hugh Latimer was burned at the stake, him and Quigley was burned at the stake, and, and the famous quote went up, says, let us be a light, let our, our flames be a candle that shines throughout all of England of the truth, yeah, paraphrase that a bit. They, they actually, they, and, and the reason they were burnt at the stake in 1555 in England was because they preached and taught and believed salvation was by faith and faith alone. What you and I believe. And they were burned at the stake. And not just them, but many others. There's a lot of blood in that book that you have in front of you today. A lot of blood of men, women, and children who have stood upon that truth and given their lives for the truth. And we're going to roll over, and we're going to let these heretics, these apostates, dictate to us? Nope, not on my watch. I'll stand in this pulpit, and I'll preach out on that, and I'll do everything I can do to stand against these apostates who are sending people to a devil's hell. This is what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach unto you, let him be accursed. Okay? I'm sorry. Preach unto you another gospel unto you that which we have, uh, which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach another gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Paul says it twice in those scriptures. He even gives the off chance that he loses his mind. Even if I come to you and preach something different than I've already preached to you, if I lose my marbles and I become a crazed man, let me be accursed. Let me be damned, he's saying. 
If anybody comes, he says it twice, guys. But then he, he closes that statement there for, do I persuade men or God? It's easy to persuade men. It's easy to get, tell people what they want to hear. Make them feel good. Touch, you know, hey, look, you know, you're okay. You can stay in your sins. You don't have to get saved. There's an, hey, everybody, you know what? Everybody's going to say, God has chosen from the foundation of the world. You're all the chosen, frozen. You're going to be saved. You're going to heaven. You don't have to confess Jesus Christ. It would be easy to say those things and people would lap it up. Paul says, nay, I'm not pleasing men. I'm pleasing God. Because if I try to please men, I'm not a servant of Christ. And that's where we need to stand, people. That's where we need to stand. Keep going along to get along, guys, and see where that's going to get us. The false teachers in this world today will take over, and they're not willing to accept the truth. They're not willing to hear your side of the story. They're not willing to hear biblical truth. They're not willing. They themselves are not willing to go along to get along. Go ahead and try it. See if they'll accept your biblical position on doctrine of salvation without Calvinism, without baptismal regeneration, etc., etc. See if they'll take it solely by faith without all the articles of faith and without the, uh, the, the, the Mary idolatry, without, the, all the, without all the work. See if they'll take it. They're not going to take it. They want you to, but they're not going to. They'll show their teeth, guys, and they'll laugh you to scorn. So to sum up verse 2 today, these false teachers forsake the fundamentals and it calls good to be evil spoken of, and that's it. That's the finale. That's finale. That's it. Isaiah chapter 5 tells us this. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And beloved, that's exactly what an apostate does. Apostate takes what they have rejected, what they have ridiculed, and they try to replace it through the false doctrines of mankind Something that will appease the crowd and appease the people. Something that will, hey, let's just kind of, let's just bring it in here and you can live in your way. That's exactly how the whole institution of Catholicism was started. You know, let's just convert the names to these so-called Christian names. You can keep your pagan festivals. You can keep celebrating Swahim. And we're going to change all uh, Souls Day, the day that you prayed unto the dead. We're going to change that to All Saints Day, 1st of November. Okay? all they've done they've done nothing spiritual nothing christian they're not of god they're not of christ and uh, they are they are my friend they are apostates among us so let's bow our heads if you will father we thank you for the time to be together this morning we ask you lord to bless this time uh, as we depart one another we ask you lord god to meet with us continue to guide us and direct us move us into the right way forgive us where we have failed you lord and we do lift up in prayer those that are sick today those that are under the weather but i pray dear god even in the midst of those who uh, can't get out and about that they will become mighty prayer warriors before the throne of heaven, that, Lord, they may be mighty, uh, Lord God, upon their knees and their heart to serve and, to, and, to, and to, to be a prayer warrior for salvation of the lost souls in our community. And, Father, I pray for every soul in our community today. I ask you, Lord, for those who are still locked into the traditions of man, those who uh, see no guidance and direction of biblical true Christianity, but just through convenience, Lord, conformity, work in that tick box i pray lord that you would shake up their hearts and souls bring them to a crossroads that they have to make a decision dear god to turn and come hear the biblical truth of the precious word of god we love you and we thank you lord in jesus name amen
Thank you so much for joining us today. I do hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement, edification, to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Abraman. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. If today was the last day you were alive, if today by some tragedy, this was the last moment you had on this earth, when you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment for mankind is death. Romans 6.23 clearly tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what what would stop you right here, right now, for bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe in it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. Hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord